This is episode number 59 with Eric Kona-Olov. Welcome to American Snippets, your source for inspirational, motivational, and selfless stories and interviews from exceptional people across the nation. And now, here's your hosts, Barb Allen and Dave Brown. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the American Sippets Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Dave Brown. I'm a real estate investor, lifestyle entrepreneur, and the co-host here, along with my partner, Gold Star wife, author, and speaker, Barbara Allen. Now, for your first-time listener, it's our goal each week to feature stories that will not only inspire you, but propel you into action in your own life. Our mission here is simple. And that's to create a meaningful platform that encourages national pride, promotes the American dream, supports those who honorably serve, and spotlights all the extraordinary things everyday Americans just like you are doing to make this country a better place. Our guests are exceptional Americans who are giving back both in business and in everyday life, and their stories are compelling examples of positivity, possibility, and patriotism that can help you get one step closer to living your own dream. Today's guest is Eric Kona-Olov, and he is the president of The Goal Guide Incorporated, a consulting firm focused on life coaching, sales training, motivational speaking, and leadership development. Eric's passion is to help people and organizations bridge that gap between their current state and where they dream of being. Eric was a Jewish refugee from the Soviet Union. After a year of waiting in two refugee settlements in two different countries, Eric and his sister, stepsister's mom and stepfather were told they'd been selected to come to America. His extended family went to Israel. Eric was just eight years old when his family settled in the Baltimore area, and at 17 years old, he enlisted in the United States Marine Corps, where he served eight years. Today, the child refugee is a proud veteran, husband, and father. He's also a leader and entrepreneur, helping others through their own transitions and into new purposes. Eric's story is what the American dream is all about. His perspective on the opportunities in this country stem from being raised in a family that knows all too well how blessed life is in America. Now, without further ado, here is Barbara Allen with Eric Kona-Olive. Hi there. Welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. I am your co-host, Barb Allen. I had the super cool experience a couple weeks ago of getting to keynote at a conference, which we'll talk about a little bit. But in that conference, as so often happens, if anybody goes to conferences or knows how that goes, sometimes you're lucky to meet someone that is interesting and fun and you learn a lot from. Today's guest is that person, uh, Eric Konavalov. <laughs> I struggle with the name, but that's okay. It's worth struggling over because it, it's just a cool name. Um, he is here with us today. He is a retired Marine with a backstory, first off, that will just blow you away. And I cannot wait to get into it. But what he's doing now is equally impressive how he's turned his backstory and channeled it into a purpose with practical experience and how he's using it to impact others in his new profession is very exciting. It's what we often focus on when we speak very frequently to people who kind of drop out of one purpose and seek to find another. He's mastered that process and he has so much to offer for everybody who's in the same situation. Eric, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thanks for having me, Barb. For all the other Marines that are there, I, I did. I spent eight years in the Marine Corps. I did. I did not retire, though. I really would have loved to have. Oh well, what did you do then? You transitioned out. I transitioned. Yeah. You transitioned. All right. He did not retire. He just transitioned. Yeah. Marines don't retire. They just transition. 
They're different. I know a lot of Marines and you're all a little freaking crazy, but usually in a fun way. Um, and I, I am proud to have a lot of, a lot of Marines, you know, kind of in my network. Uh, you're also, I like the crazy for the most part. It works. It works well when you channel it properly. So I've met a lot of Marines too, Barb, and I don't know if I've met anyone uh, as crazy as you yet. <laughs> Any one of those Marines. <laughs> I think that may be not entirely true, but I'll go with it. I'll go with it. my son, by the way, was at the conference with us and he got to meet you and he laughed. He's like, Mom, you're crazy. And your friends are crazy, and that's not a bad thing. He's, you know, he was quick to point out, but it was it was a good time. Uh, so, Eric, let's talk first. We're gonna go. You are involved in so many things now. You have a very diverse current resume. Things that you're tapping into and tackling. You're the ultimate multitasker, which is maybe why you get up at some obscene hour in the day. We're gonna talk about <laughs> all of that about the habits that you use to, to create that lifestyle and maintain it what it can do for people if they kind of shift their habits to align a little bit more with a more productive one. We got a lot to do. So can you, yeah, yeah can you talk a little bit about your story? You are not a, an American born citizen. I'm not. I was actually born in a former USSR. Um, yeah. The country now is called Azerbaijan down by the Caspian Sea. And we moved here. We were uh, Jewish refugees from Russia. So I remember, you know, when I was eight, my, my parents actually got a chance to get out of there and we're standing at the airport and the security guard kind of ransacked my mom's and, and stepfather's belongings. It was me, three of my uh, sisters, well, it was two stepsisters, my sister, my stepdad, my mom. And he took all the valuables out and says, you want to get on a plane or do you want your stuff back? You know, and that's kind of like the last thing I remember about Russia and you know, now people ask me, hey, do you ever go back? I'm like, nope, no. I don't have any desire to, <laughs> don't want to go back. So I moved to Baltimore. I mean, we lived in um So Austria hang on, hang about, on. But you, yeah, 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 I wanted you to, to, to touch on that because you're like, you moved to Baltimore, but it wasn't just a seamless process. And this, I mean, obviously, this is so relevant today, but how you, how your family navigated that. Um, yeah, go ahead. Back so I was Austria. little. I didn't know. I, I wasn't sure exactly how how the whole legal process worked, but- um, as refugees, they kept us in Austria, Vienna for about six months. And then I remember moving to right outside of Rome, Italy, and we lived there for six months. And then they decide kind of, you're either going to go to Israel or you're going to go to the United States. And those are the two countries that were accepting, you know, uh, Jewish refugees from Russia back then. And so actually most of my family ended up going to Israel, all aunts, uncles, cousins, they're in Israel. And we got lucky enough to come here. Uh, and moved to Baltimore right around 1990. Unbelievable. Now, do you remember much of that? I mean, A, do you remember anything of life in Russia prior to you leaving it? You know, as a little kid. Um, it was a long time ago. It was a long time ago, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've been here since 1990. But I, my yeah. mom did a great job, you know, uh, for a majority of it. She was a single mother. And she did a good job with raising us. I don't think we ever kind of were deprived. So I didn't know what it was like. I don't yeah. think I've experienced that whole traumatic thing is probably she did as an adult. You know? Yeah, no, she sounds amazing. I can, when I hear stories like this and so many times people will credit their mothers, I don't know what my kids are going to say about me one day. I know what they say about me now <laughs> or some of it, but uh, I find those stories and you know, examples of women who's our single parents during any kind of tumultuous time in their life, especially, and navigate it so well to just be 
super inspiring. And I, I love hearing that story. So if your mom ever wants to come on one day, <laughs> you know, she could help, help us uh, teach people too. Um, so you settled in Baltimore and then how old were you when you just said, Hey, I'm going to go be a Marine. So I, 17, 17. That is crazy and, uh, to me. Yeah. yeah. I, I wish it was for anything, you know, I wish it was for a patriotic reason, you know, and I tell everyone, look, it was that it was 1997. I knew I didn't want to go to college. I think I was a junior in high school. And I, I didn't even know about the Marines. No one in my family was in the U.S. military. You know, my grandparents went through World War II on the Russian side. But so I went into the recruiter's office and I just knew Army. I knew Navy. I didn't really know much about Air Force or Marines. Can I curse on the show? By yeah, the way? please go for <laughs> <Okay>. it. <laughs> so No, well, I'm telling you, I'll tell you the story. So I go in there and the, the army recruiter honestly looked like Peter Griffin. You know what I mean? There's a 17 year old kid. I looked at him and I'm like, oh, that's not what I want to look like. Um, the the Navy guy me. wasn't in there. No, well, yeah. th this is the truth, right? The Navy guy wasn't in there. Air Force was closed. So I'm like, what the hell? I'm walking out and I hear from like the corner somewhere down the little hallway, but I didn't even know there was anybody in there. He's like, hey, what are you, two chicken shit to come in here? <laughs> I'm a 17-year-old, you know, hardcore kid. Right. I walk in Sucker. his office. And, yeah. yeah. The, he's yeah. sitting there. I picture Johnny Bravo, right? His name was Patrick Griffin, <laughs> and his call sign was Animal, right? So he's got this big name <laughs> tape right on his desk. And, uh, Sergeant Patrick Animal Griffin. And behind him were like these pictures of him with now he's got his muscles had muscles coming out of his <laughs> shirt, right? Veins popping out of his neck. The dude was like, just a I got a man crush right away. And behind them were like these pictures of him and his buddies on beaches holding big weapons. And I'm like, <laughs> I gotta yeah, do this. this is me. Yeah. So that was Saturday morning. That Monday he he shows up in my high school. And every girl is like, that's all they talked about for the rest of the week. <laughs> so that kind of sealed the deal. Sold. I'm like, all right, I'm going to become a Marine. That's how I joined the Marine Corps. <laughs> Everybody's got a reason. And as long as you believe in the reason, <laughs> you stick yeah. with it. You just commit. Yeah. Uh, but you stayed in the Marine Corps. So there's a difference. Stayed and, uh, you know, we just, inter we've interviewed a lot of veterans. And we just now this week, we're going to post uh, David Meadows, who was a Navy SEAL. He says a lot of the same thing. He's like, look, I joined pre 9-11. I don't know if I would have joined after. I'm like, But he yeah. stayed in. And he talked a lot about the instant change in energy and and mindset in the military on 9-11 and moving forward, you know, it's just a different, uh, different animal from then. And you stayed in. So, yeah. you know, you got to kind of factor that in as well. Not a lot of people stayed in um, or, or not a lot. I mean, a lot of people didn't stay in, you know, not everybody stayed in. Sure. So you stayed in for a long time after that. No, stayed in for eight years. Yeah. Um, I, I would have retired. It's funny. I'm thinking about it now. I'd be retiring in less than a year from now. Transitioning, not um, retiring. I would actually be retiring oh, oh, after okay. 20 years. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And right. um, yeah, so, you know, no regrets. I, I'm, no. I think I'm right where I belong. I got two beautiful boys and a wife and, you know, that I probably would not have had because that was my ultimatum if I stayed in. <laughs> Good for her. Good for her. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, no regrets. 
That's good. And you do have two adorable kids. And anyway, I mean, you showed everybody pictures of, ev- of your whole family, which was just adorable. I love seeing people excited about their families. You know, that's what is what it's all about. But you, when you spoke at this event, you did something I've never seen before. And I, I mean, it's genius because A, it was genuine, but B, because honestly, nobody will ever forget that. It was your son's birthday. And you held up the camera and you had everybody in the whole room say, happy birthday, Max. It was Max, right? It's Max. Yeah. Yep. Happy birthday. I mean, so ador- how did he like that? Oh my God. He loved it. I went on Facebook <laughs> Live and I had the yeah. whole crowd kind of it was great. You know, wishing him a happy birthday. He was pumped. He was very upset that I'm missing his birthday. Yeah. Um, poor kid, you know, and I was thinking about it afterwards because this is how I, I was like just blinded by the fact that it's my kid's birthday. There were so many people so many veterans in there who are retiring and probably have missed most of their children's yeah. birthdays, right? Here I am talking about how I don't, you know, I'm here and this is special because I'm missing my son's birthday. I'm kind of insensitive now that I look back at it. I mean, my son um, who hasn't had his dad for his birthday since he was six, he told me all about how insensitive that was. He did. Oh my God, that guy. No, I'm just kidding. He did not. Yeah, <laughs> He did not. Well, so no, I, no, totally the opposite. I knew I didn't and like this your is- son. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, this is something that uh, I always try to take the opportunity to get past, you know, just because one person went through one thing. I don't think any of those people in the room would begrudge you that experience or kind of hold that against you because part of what why they do what they do. And, you know, even I obviously I lost my husband. Right. So I joke about it a lot because I can joke with you because you're a crazy Marine and you get it. Um, but nobody begrudges anyone that that uh, opportunity or that moment or that experience because, um, you know, to, to what end? That Otherwise, everything that everyone has gone through would be pointless. You go through yeah. what you go through so that people can have those moments with their family. I mean, that's when we see people do like do that, it validates any kind of sacrifice or that we've been through or struggles we've been through. So, you know, get that out of your head. It was adorable and people will always remember it. That was super Thank cool. You. Super cool. So I want, there's one story that you told um, that I'm going to ask you to tell again here because it was, again, it was funny, but you are, let's just go through your current resume now and then we'll backtrack to how you got there. I have the list, but I think it'd be more fun if if you say what you do because I got these four items here ticked down. Why don't okay. you run through them? See if you, see if you know them now as well as I do. Well, I probably don't. <laughs> I mean, I, I have to write them somewhere once. <laughs> well, it all boils down to I develop, I develop people and I develop salespeople. So I'm a director of sales for a technology company. I have my own sales training and coaching company, I'm um, a life coach, but everything focuses on just developing people and helping people go from here to there, wherever there may be for them. Yeah. And I'm sorry that I forgot to grab my copy of your book. Uh, when I left my house this morning to come here, I was halfway here. I'm like, oh crap. I, like, I knew I forgot something, right? And I had that feeling like, what am I forgetting? That's what it was. Your book is home on my little desk in my sunroom. I love it. It's funny, but it's a really telling book. And you point this out when you give your talk that everything in life is selling. Like whatever you're trying to do, you're selling something, right? And you have to understand kind of how people's minds work and the power of building relationships and confidence and all that. And it was just a, it's a good book to read for anybody, obviously in sales, but uh, definitely not just confined to sales. You, you have like three different books you could write in that book. And couldn't you, you could pick it out. So tell us the title of your book. Book is called, let me sell you something. Kind of like, let Surprise. me tell you something. With an S. <laughs> <laughs> and where can people get it? 
You can get on Amazon.com. Just let me sell you something. Um, and yeah, it'll pop up. Yeah, it's a great book. I would highly recommend anyone read it. But if you don't take my word for it, hang on for the rest of this because you're going to understand why here. Tell that story of how you started in printer sales. Oh, my gosh. It is such a, it's a great story. So when I was getting out of the Marine Corps, um, I went to my commanding officer and me and him were very close. I said, hey, sir, you know, what do I do? You know, I've been here since my high school days. I mean, I don't know what to do. He said, well, with all the bullshit you've sold me through the years, you should get into sales. So I got out and I started looking at every single job out there and Aflac was calling me left and right, you know, and all these commission only kind of positions and um, finally got hired with a copier dealership in Baltimore. So I remember the guy saying, my manager, Frank, he said, you know, um, today you're going to go cold calling. And I'm like, well, what is cold calling? <laughs> I had no <laughs> idea what cold calling was. He says, you walk into a business and you tell them what you do. You be friendly with them and see if there's any need for what we do there. And we were selling copiers. I said, okay, sure. So I get in my car, I drive out and I'm like, well, who the hell uses copiers? <laughs> like, I've never <laughs> used a copier before. And, and I'm you driving have to sell down the street. Yeah. But yeah, and I had to sell it. Passing, you know, every business out there, not realizing that every company uses copiers. And I saw a Minuteman Press type of print shop. So I decided to pull in there. And uh, I got my ass handed to me by the owner because he knew way more about copiers than I did. And I just, you know, I wasn't prepared for it. But um, it's been a long time since then. And, and I took some initiatives, <laughs> learned everything I could. And, you know. Yeah. Do you know, you know who Mike Rowe is? Who's that? Mike you Rowe? Know? Yeah. Mike Rowe. We, uh, we love him. I'm going to send you his stuff because once you find him, you're going to just track him. He's a huge success. He does everything. Mother freaking like does everything. He, he sings, he writes, he has this uh, show on Facebook, which is phenomenal. He's hosted TV shows and all this. I mean, he's a huge, huge success. And he starts an initiative uh, to get people back to work, you know, College isn't necessarily the path for everyone. Why get into all this debt when you can go to trade? There's jobs people won't do, et cetera, et cetera. But he got his start on QVC and he got his start because somebody handed him a pencil and said, talk about this pencil for eight minutes. And for eight minutes, he talked about a Ticonderoga pencil in such a way that he, it was like, you're hired, like right there, you know, and, and he remembers that. So it's the, the ability to look at whatever item or object that you are tasked with representing and representing it to its best ability, whether that be you, you know, yourself or, you know, somebody, a person you're representing or a printer for, and, and your book talks about a lot of those same principles and yeah. your talks that you give talk about those principles too. It's a uh, very engaging and super important for people to know. But what you only sort of kind of touched on in one of your talks is you had another kind of defining moment in your life with a, a pretty significant health scare. You cool with talking about that? Yeah. yeah Cause I just asked sure. about it. <laughs> Always cool talking about it. But <laughs> before I do, I got to tell you, you mentioned yeah. this pencil thing. I remember getting yeah. interviewed for that copier job in Baltimore. Yeah. You know, I haven't been on many job interviews, and, and the the manager says, "Sell me this pen." There you and go. <laughs> it reminded me of it. Lovely. I, mean, I bet you yeah. that guy knows who Mike Rowe is. Probably, probably. And people, yeah. you know, I've done that. You know, since then, I've interviewed a lot of salespeople, yeah, or people who are applying for jobs, and I've done that to see how they sell. Yeah. And by the way, anybody who's listening, if somebody ever says, "Sell me this pen," the 
first thing you got to do is ask them what's important to you in a pen. There you go. Don't start talking about this pen because you have no idea (laughs) what they're looking for. There's the key to sales. Boom. Ask the question. Know what the client wants. Yeah. And that's what I I mean. I think I froze a little bit and I I said, well, what do you use a pen for? (laughs) Like you tell me. And once he said it, then I looked and I was able to, well, do you keep it in your pocket? Well, this clicker will, you know, anything. So the health scare. Um, Last September, I just wake up with like this uh, terrible back pain, you know, and I'm a stubborn guy. I will not go to the hospital if I don't have to. And it was that bad that I went to the ER. So I I get in there and they do an x-ray. They're like, look, nothing's wrong with your back, but your heart looks a little bit enlarged. So they sent me to cardio and turned out that I had this birth defect where my veins weren't connected properly or something. And the doctor calls me in a couple of weeks later. He's like, we have to operate. And that was in May, you know, a lot of tests ran. So I know there's a lot of healthy 37-year-old males that are running around and mm-hmm. wishing that they could have open heart surgery. And <laughs> I actually I actually got the opportunity to experience <laughs> that um, surgery that many old old folks go through. So yeah, there you go. That so, was a that was a good scare for me. Did that kind of did that do anything to kind of alter or enhance any way in which you go about your your life i mean did you change any habits after that or did you kind of or did you just keep going on the same like you just had a cold and next well i definitely finished my book which was in the making for a long time um it's funny because for a little while there, it makes you want, because I didn't know if I was going to drop dead between the time they told me I was going to have surgery and the yeah. two weeks okay. surgery date, you know? I love that they do that, by the way. You have a severe problem. It's going to kill you if you don't take care of it. We'll see you back here in a couple of weeks. Yep. <laughs> You're like, what? Yeah. Oh, don't change anything. I'm like, but I ran five miles today. What do you mean don't? Now I know my heart's like the size <laughs> yeah, of a yeah, football. Yeah. Should I keep running? Just run at 80% of what you typically do. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. translate that into marine math. Like, what's 80% of that? You know, so I don't run three miles or five miles. Like, anyway, um, for a while, you know, you get those thoughts because when there's that chance that you're not going to make it or whatever. Yeah. So, habits. I don't think, I, I think I want to spend more time with my family. Um, just appreciate life a lot more afterwards, that's for sure. And take more risks and don't take yourself too seriously. That's that's what I took away from it. But what sucks is after a few months after when everything gets back to normal, yeah. I kind of tend to forget all those things that I promised myself and things like that. And and one of my habits, and now we're gonna talk about some habits, is I keep a journal, right? Yeah. Like, like it's at my desk. Here's like I actually write in it, right? It's not you know, here's another page. And this captures like what I'm feeling, what I'm promising myself at that time. And so it's important when I read through that stuff a month later, three months later, whatever, I remember those feelings that I had at that time and get back to, okay, getting on a conference call is not as important as going to my son's football practice or whatever it may be, you know, just prioritize life a little bit differently. So uh, we've interviewed a ton of people and of all all walks of life. And somebody, one of the people we interviewed who is like ridiculously wealthy and successful, 
Uh, he was the only one that looked at me, and, I'm, and I didn't know him from anyone. He had this kind of crazy, like, intense energy, you know, staring at me like this. I'm like, oh, you know, and and he's like, well, yeah, I know. I, I spend about an hour a day with my kids. He's like, I don't need any more than that. That's all they, that's all they really need to have. And I was like, okay, right, got it. And to me, that was, like, so foreign. So, um, But people have different mindsets, right? Some people, that hour a day with their kids, and they're just going to go, 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 go. But what you're saying is that it doesn't have to be so extreme. You can still have a family and, uh, and still chase your success and find the success while still being present for your kids. So it doesn't have to be all one or the other. I think it's to each of us, success means something different. Yeah. You know, to some success means spending more than an hour a day with kids and to others success might mean only spending an hour a day with kids. <laughs> you know, so, um, yeah, I know. I just thought that was how we define that. I think. Yeah. It's a, it's a work-life balance. I guess everybody's balance is a little, a little different, right? Yeah. So now you are, um, you're, you have your own company, the goal guide. Uh, mm -hmm. Tell us about that company and what are some typical clients that you work with and you know, what, how, how did you go about starting your own company? People come out, out of the military and kind of like, you know, well, kind of struggle a little in that gap there. And you did with your sales and your printer and all that. But what was it that kept you going that led you through all of those experiences to say, you know, I'm going to take these skill sets that I learned in the military and parlay them into this entrepreneurial path? And kind of what was it that helped you be able to extract those skills and those lessons that you had to offer others and apply it in this business? Sure. Well, I think you got to listen to that inner voice here and there. But what happened with me was I got, this is from the day that, you know, I got my ass handed to me by that print shop guy, <laughs> probably nine years later, right? So forward nine years, and I've led teams for, for Xerox in Baltimore, I've met, you know, and then I got, prom not promoted, but I got hired to be a director of sales for DCA Imaging Systems, which is a technology company outside of DC. And I take over, I took over a team that was way more experienced than me, older than I am, sold way more than I've sold and want nothing to do with me. Okay. So I'm like, so this is, what's the problem? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Hey, let's go left. And they're like, uh, we don't even hear you. Right. They're in a the presidency or why is this guy here? You know? So I said, you know, it's not them. It's me. What do I need to do to improve my leadership ability? And as I started researching leadership, I came across John Maxwell. Now, John Maxwell, if you don't know, he's like the world's number one guru on leadership. Right. And he's got a certification program. Okay. Now, this certification program helps you be a speaker, coach, trainer, and just teaches you how to be a better leader all around. So I invested in myself, joined that team to be a better leader. And as you surround yourself with those people, they teach you hey, why don't you go start a mastermind group? And, you know, to, they, they're kind of coming at you more from a business standpoint. Mm -hmm. So though it wasn't my initial goal, it was a little intriguing what I was learning. I fell in love with it. It was working out with my team. I mean, it worked out so well that I was getting invited to like barbecues on Saturday by the same people that didn't want me around, you know? Nice. So I got 10 business owners together in Baltimore and I said, I'm just going to do a free training for you guys. You know, we'll do a free 10 week mastermind group every Wednesday night. We got together and we did it on a book called 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. 
And what happened was every single one of them benefited from it. Their companies were growing. They were doing better. And three of the guys came up to me afterwards and say, how much would you charge me to come to my company and do a similar mastermind group? And that's how the Goal Guide was born. Um, so initially I started with them doing leadership training and then met a couple of people who said, hey, will you coach me? Whether it was leadership, life coaching. I just started posting a lot of stuff I was doing. It was transforming my life on Facebook. You know, they see me up on Facebook at 5 a.m. I'm running around in the gym and people are waking up hating life. They're like, I, how do you do that? I want, <laughs> can you talk to me? You know, and I just got coaching clients. And so that's how it happened. I didn't, I didn't, like, I didn't design a plan to go out there, start a company that I was going to coach, train, and do all those things, but it just, saw the need and did it just fell into that so yeah, yeah. let's talk about it. you're at the gym at 5 a.m what time do you get out of your bed 3 30 <laughs> and so what time do you end it for the day you know it gets earlier as the week goes on. <laughs> <laughs> all right it makes sense <laughs> but between 10 and 11 wow impressive that's yeah. that's good stuff. And and a lot of the people that we interviewed, you know, successful people and all this, they all have their morning routine and they get up you get up earlier than anyone I've spoken to so far. Uh, but, you know, they're all up at 5 or so. Um one guy's like, "Yeah, I get up early at 6." And I kind of laughed. I'm like, "That's not that's like practically noon, you know." But when I let him call it early. So, uh you know, getting up and having those early morning hours, I think when the rest of the world is quiet and still, and there's, you know, less people beeping in on you and, and you know, like, oh, hey, I can't call this person back because it's three freaking 30 in the morning. So, you know, there's your out, right? I think there's something to be said for that to, to have in that time. I used to like to write, like right through the middle of the night um, when, when everybody was down and there was just yeah. no interruption. So, um, do you, is that something that you recommend to your clients that they kind of dial their alarm clock? I don't, I don't bit? think waking up early is for everyone. Cause some people are like, don't think, yeah. I, you know, they're, they're better in the evenings. Like yeah. you, you can stay up all night and write. I can't do that. Oh, I can't you know, do it anymore. PM, yeah. No, oh, I okay, can't do I it. You. No, my fiance around eight o'clock at night, he's like, fired up and all these insight and ideas and stuff are coming at him. And I'm like, dude, I have been up for so yeah. long. I'm like, I can feel myself getting dumber with every minute that goes on. I just can't do it. So yeah, that you have a valid point there. I think it's recommending one, let's get to know ourselves, yeah. right? So when, when are you the strongest? When do you have the best ideas? When do you feel the greatest? For me, it's in the morning, maybe not at 3.30, like 3.30, I'm forcing myself. Right. But that's okay, because once I'm up, you're That's up. my time. Yeah. And the main reason I do it is because, you know, I'm working the full day and then afterwards it's my kids time and my wife time and that's when they're up. So yeah. what am I going to sacrifice? I can either sacrifice their time or I can sacrifice my sleep. And that's, I don't even feel like it's sacrifice anymore because what I do yeah. when I get up at 3.30, you know, by like 3.50 after I brush my teeth and all that stuff, I'm in my office and first thing I do is I journal. So I get the thoughts out. I write in the, in this thing. And, and the first time I heard about it, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's not for me. You know, I don't keep a diary, right? Mm -hmm. But it's the best, the, it's one of the best things I've ever done for myself because I get all the crazy thoughts out of my head. And then 10 to 15 minutes, I'll meditate. And then just, just 
that's where the ideas come, you know, and you just get quiet and you're to your thoughts, to yourself. If I can read something, I'll read something. When I was working on my book, my goal was no matter what, before I leave the house, I write 400 words minimum every single day. And, you know, it's just establishing those things that you look forward to waking up and getting out of bed. It gives you a reason to get up and get out of bed. Just works for me. And then I show up better everywhere else. Yeah. Do you work with uh, other veterans who are transitioning out or have come out and are maybe kind of struggling to find a new path? We talked a lot about, you know, when you have one identity that you live in for so long or one purpose that you live for, and then that is either removed from you or you just naturally shift. There's that, you know, whether it's somebody whose kids go off to college and they have the emptiness and all they've done for all those years is take care of their children. And now they're Mm -hmm. like, you know, now what? Or someone who gets divorced or experiences a death or transitions out of the military. You know, do you have any any thoughts or insight to offer somebody going through a significant life change like that into how to kind of pull from one purpose and lean it in towards another? Yeah, get help. Yeah. Get get a coach. Find out what programs are available for you. You don't have to do it alone because that can be super overwhelming. And veterans were so strong willed that sometimes we we look at getting help or hiring somebody to help us as a weakness like i can't handle it on my own and look we the fact is that even though you can't handle it on your own just know that you can handle it a lot better with someone that's either been through it or the programs that are in place to help veterans get out um so yeah i would one i'd love to work with veterans and you know the fact is a lot of veterans try to do it on their own quite yeah. too often. And that's where you get stuck. So here at American Snippets, we talk a lot about a bunch of things. We, you know, positivity, possibility, patriotism, our mantra. You, you got all three right there. We talk a lot about the American dream too. And um, some people will say it's cliche or say that it's dead. But, uh, you know, we, we beg to differ. We believe it's a, alive and well. And this is a great time to live in this country. But what we have found in particular is that when we speak to people who are not born in this country, even if they came over here as a young child who have parents or somebody older who remember what that's like, they're kind of raised with a different mindset. So do you have any thoughts on ourselves or have you seen, you know, who Gary Vaynerchuk is? Oh yeah. I Gary love Gary. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So have yeah. you seen his, like his clip he's got on YouTube about, uh, what is it called? The motivation of an immigrant. I would hi- highly recommend you go get it because he talks, and it made me think of you when I saw it because he's also from from the Ukraine. Soviet Union, yeah, the Ukraine. Yep. I, I'm not even going to speak now, but uh, but yeah, and he has that. He's like, dude, Americans don't know how good they have it if you haven't been tasked with an, with a challenge and you don't appreciate everything in front of you. Do you subscribe to that same line of thought? Like, what would be? Do you, do you feel like can you picture your life if you had not come here versus now being here? I have no, I don't know what it would be like if I didn't come here, you know, but the country I left and the, what it is now today is different. Different. Like back then it was communism, right? So the government told you how much money. So the doctor made the same amount of money as, you know, the janitor, Mm -hmm. everyone made the same amount. The government gave you the food, gave you everything. I can't for the life of me, imagine what that would be like. Yeah. So um, what would then, when we say the American dream, what does the American dream mean to you? To me, the American dream means that there's opportunities 
to build anything you want to build without anybody stopping you. It doesn't matter. Like the, the media, I think here teaches us otherwise, but regardless of your race, sex, gender, we all have the opportunity to do better than we're doing right now. Now, not everybody's opportunity is the same. I understand that. Folks that are living in some inner cities, you know, young kids in the inner city whose parents aren't there at all and they're right. trying to figure out how to eat lunch. And, you know, I see that, you know, being being close to Baltimore, I see that. So it's not fair for me to say that that kid has the same opportunity as the kid that grew up with his family right. in the county and, you know, they provide it. But in reality, if we take a step back and see what the country actually offers, everyone can join the military and that can erase everything up until you're 18 years old, right? So the, the past, well, I grew up without a dad, I grew up without a mom, I didn't go to school, whatever. You get a GED, you can get into the military. Mm -hmm. How many doors does that open? They teach you a trade for free. They'll pay for your college. What excuse do we have at that point? You know, um, so for me, the American dream is th there's no limit to what we can accomplish. There really isn't. And as soon as we stop being victims, we can take the right steps forward to making it happen. Whatever it is for you. Like my dream, my American dream for me is of having my own company and traveling the world and helping people is different than somebody else's American dream of, right. you know, getting out of the inner city and owning a house and yeah. having a full-time good job, you know? So, but, but both are available to us. Perfect. So who's someone in your life that has been a, a particular inspiration to you hands-on? Someone in my life, there's been so many people in my life who have yeah. been an inspiration. It's tough to choose just one. Wow. I mean, you don't have to my choose mom, just one. Yeah. You know, from from my mom, obviously, uh, coming up here to my my in-laws, you know, they're let me tell you, my mother in law, she's a physician here, but she came from Moscow. Mm -hmm. She went through medical school in Moscow. She was a doctor there. When she came here, the U.S. said, well, that doctor doesn't mean anything here. Oh, my God. She went through medical school again. Oh, not my knowing God. English, OK, and, and became a medical doctor here. <laughs> right. So you're talking about Gary That's v, talking really about cool. immigrant, yeah. the motivation of an immigrant. Right. You know, there there it is. That's truly an inspiration. She's had her own practice. And you know what? When the insurance company started screwing doctors, mm -hmm. she said, you know what? I'm going concierge, meaning I'm going to now take cash for my services. And she has people paying her cash for being their doctor because she's an amazing doctor. Good for her. And so that's that's the American dream. Yeah. You know, that's an inspiration. I look at that. Um, gosh, my grandmother passed away a couple of years ago, went through World War II, was wounded as a woman on a battlefield what? fighting for the Red Army. Um, you need to write a book of just your family. Like every, your entire family has just wild stories. Yeah. She saw her whole family get killed by the Nazis Oh my god! Um, at, at a young age. And what was amazing about her, she never said anything negative about anybody. <laughs> like, talk about positivity. She was Mrs. Positive, you wow. know? So, I don't know. There's hands-on. There's a lot of people that inspire me on a daily basis. Awesome. Last question here before we'll wrap it up and let you head on out to your paternal duties. You. 
And then you interview me. Sure, bring it, man. Uh, so if there was one person that you could call up today and would come over and spend the rest of the day with you and you could get to talk about anything you want, learn anything you want from that person, it has to be a living person who you've never met before, who would it be? One person comes over to my house to spend the day with me that I've never met with. Mm-hmm. has to be a living person. Yeah. Wow. Wow. You didn't tell me you were going to ask me all those questions. <laughs> um, gosh, Barb, there's a lot of people. Yeah. I'd say Tony Robbins. All right. Nobody's ever, I don't think anybody's ever said him before. Maybe one person. Good. I'd say Tony yeah. Robbins. I could see yeah. that. I could see you and Tony Robbins hanging out. And you it's funny because he's not the him. guy I listen to most of the time. Like I listen to Les Brown, but I've met him. John Maxwell, I met him. I listen to a ton okay. of motivational speakers. He's not I know, one but of you're them, both but like kind of like high energy when you speak. Yeah. By the way, and so I've uh, I've known of John Maxwell, and I think I came I crossed paths with one person who'd been certified before. But you're a very compelling speaker, and I say this like as somebody like I speak, so I like to learn from other speakers, right? And you could. Uh, I mean, you're a very good ambassador for the John Maxwell. I said that about Julie, too. You're a very good ambassador for her training, and it, it's true. So I don't know what your natural tendencies are or what these people, Julie uh, and John Maxwell, have the power to kind of enhance in you or make you tap into a little deeper. But, yeah, you're a really good speaker. So, like, I would buy the John Maxwell program or go into John Maxwell program. I'm like, if I can learn to speak like that, you know, I'm in. Uh, so so that's good. So I could see, uh, I could see that kind of same energy that Tony Robbins. I don't know if you're going to make people like walk across coals and stuff. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> but you'd find something else. You just throw them in a pool. <laughs> Not with their shoes on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Eric. Thank you so much for being here with us today. I love every bit of your story from how you came here from this faraway country, how you spent that time in Austria. And then, I mean, just the transitions you and your family went through, I think, does it, did it make you kind of blend tighter together? You kind of lean on each other now? It was a long time ago, yeah. you know, as little kids. And sometimes as adults, we need to, I need to take a step back and remember why I'm here yeah, and the yeah. life I have and what sacrifices my, my mom had to go through so I could yeah. be a little more appreciative than I am, you know? Okay. That was a very well rounded answer to that little question. So <laughs> I'll drop it there. But yeah, I mean, it's a fascinating story. And like you said, your story is a reminder to so many of us that the things that we just kind of assume are always going to be here, the opportunities that we just take for granted, even growing up, you know, however hard we had it as kids, we still didn't face what so many other children around the world face. And it's just great for, for all those reasons. Thank you for your service. And thank you for giving back in the way that you do now to help other people find their own new purpose. It's pretty cool. And we can't wait to follow you further down the road. If people want to find you online and find out about your company, get involved, hit you up for some of that coaching, uh, where can they find you? Thegoalguide.com. Goal, like you're trying to reach your goals and guide like a tour guide. You know, they're the people that take you by the <laughs> hand and get you to where you want to be. I am familiar with those. You're also on Instagram. I'm on Instagram. Everything's at the goal guide. Everything's at the goal guide. Okay. So yep. Google the goal guide and you'll find Eric Konavalov. Did I get it right, right. that time? Almost. <laughs>
Konavala. <laughs> Konavala. Konavala. Oh, that's right. Con- I actually wrote down Konavala here, but then I. That's it. Konavala. <laughs> okay. Can All I right. just share your, with your listeners really quick? Yes. A story that cracked me up about you. So Maybe. Two of us, two of us <laughs> gave Barb our books. And she took, <laughs> she's on a plane a day later and takes a selfie like half as, like she's passed out in the book <laughs> saying, hey, I'm really enjoying reading your book the day before I sleep. <laughs> Absolutely love that about you. Thanks for everything that you do. And, and um, you know, your story is truly inspirational because a lot of women would not be able to go through what you want be as positive as you are. So thank you. Thank you very, very much. Hey, everyone. Dave Brown here again. Thank you so much for listening in on today's show. Today's episode is brought to you by Real Estate Worldwide. Real estate is one of the best ways to achieve the American dream, always has been, but the key is having the right blueprint. My friend and mentor, Kent Clothier, provides just that through his Real Estate Worldwide Academy. In fact, Kent and I put together a very special training where we explain what the opportunity in real estate is and how you can profit from it. You can do this business full-time or part-time. It doesn't matter. If you want to check that out, just head on over to americansnippets.com forward slash R-E-W-W to learn more. So what'd you think of today's episode? Did you get some value from it? If you did, you might want to take part in our giveaway. The first five people that leave us a review on iTunes will win a copy of Eric's new book, Let Me Sell You Something. All you have to do is leave a review, Tell us what you think about the American Snippets podcast. Take a snapshot of that review and share it on Instagram with the hashtag American Snippets Review. That's it. After you leave a review, make sure you head on over to uh, americansnippets.com forward slash 059 to see the full story we did on Eric. You can learn how to follow him, contact him. Uh, You can also check out his website at thegoalguide.com. Again, thanks for listening in today. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you truly are. We'll see you next time. 